Welcome in. It's Drop the Mic. I'm Mike Welch. Thank you so much for joining me. And this is an interesting situation because I recorded this podcast and then Monday Night Football happened. (laughs) And now I've had to re-record the beginning of the podcast. I've put on a jacket. I think that makes it, I don't know, maybe different. It'll make it like seem different. So the transition will be easier from when I recorded before Monday Night Football was over to after. So the reason this happened is because Monday Night Football looked like kind of a just okay game. Green Bay Packers, Detroit Lions, everybody's just nah, doing okay. You know, it looked like the actually looked like the Lions were going to win. They had a two score lead in the fourth quarter, and then the referees happened. <laughs> and look, I'm not a conspiracy theory guy. I'm not somebody who sits there and, and subscribes to all these these internet memes. I don't think the earth is flat. I'm not one of those people that wants to look at the JFK shooting. No, I'm not into conspiracy theories. But tonight, I'm just going to throw this out there. I'm just going to throw it out there. I don't know. I don't have any necessary, necessary facts to back it up. Like most conspiracy theories, I'm just going to throw this out there. But I think it stands to reason that maybe... The NFL was a little upset about Matt Patricia wearing that Roger Goodell clown nose T-shirt when the Patriots won the Super Bowl and he was the he was the defensive coordinator. Maybe, just maybe, the NFL was like, you know, we don't want him to win on national television. Fuck Matt Patricia, and they decided to call the, the hands to the face penalty against Trey Flowers. I just they had two hands to the face penalties, and it just. Blew my mind. I mean, if anything, it was hands to the face on the offense. I, I don't understand how anyone in their right mind, not even anyone in their right mind, anyone in their wrong mind, Joaquin Phoenix is the Joker, sees that play and doesn't throw a flag on Trey Flowers. Are you out of your mind? Even if you're out of your mind, it's inexcusable. I'm telling you. That's that's that seems conspiracy theory because even if you were just right off the funny farm and had no idea what was going on, if you'd never seen football in your life, you wouldn't call that penalty. You know why? Because it's hands to the face. You don't have to know anything about football. You don't have to know a thing about this entire game. You can know nothing about this. And still, you know not to call that penalty. Why? Because the hands aren't to the face. It's unbelievable, man. Uh, the poor Detroit Lions. I mean, that's they, that was a big game for them. They kind of needed that, right? Where their record was at, because now they're they, they go two and they they uh yeah they go to two and three now, or I guess it's like two two and one. All right, ties, whatever. But <laughs> I'm reading I'm reading the Detroit Free Press right now, and it's so funny to me. They just put together everything that they found as far as tweets about people just crushing this like the refs can thank or green bay can thank the refs for that touchdown um buffalo wild wings says don't blame us detroit we're not the ones who pushed the refs or trash button boom people saying they're done with the nfl uh the, the officials are determined to 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 make the outcome of the game their own joe theisman's upset they're everybody watching it had the same reaction. Like, there's one thing that unifies all of us, and it's the hatred of bad officiating. And that's what we got on Monday Night Football tonight. Terrible officiating that ended in the game being handed to the Green Bay Packers. And it feels like this happens for the Packers a lot. Again, not a conspiracy theory guy. But I do know the Green Bay Packers have one of the largest fan bases in the NFL, and they tend to get a lot of calls, especially on national television. I don't know. I'm not saying. I'm just saying it could be anything, but it might be a conspiracy. On to the rest and drop the mic.
Welcome in. It's Drop the Mic. I'm Mike Welch. Thank you so much for joining me. And uh, a lot of things to get into tonight, starting off with, well, Monday Night Football. It's actually not over as I'm recording this, but uh, the Lions have a two-score lead in the fourth. And the one thing I've noticed about all this, between the Lions and the Packers, the Cowboys aren't very good. That's that's what this is. Like That's what we're learning, right? The Cowboys are bad. Because I watched Aaron Jones run rough shot over that Cowboys defense last week and score four touchdowns against them. Tonight, he can't do anything. I think what we're learning over the last couple weeks is that you know the, the Cowboys just aren't very good. It's weird because I think everybody you know wants to blast we them boys and everybody wants the Cowboys to be really good because they're the Cowboys. When the Cowboys are good, it's good for the NFL. They have a massive fan base. They have the star. They have an iconic logo. Everything about the Cowboys, they really should be just dominating all the time. And because of Jerry Jones, they're not. I saw that Jerry Jones was really into Lincoln Riley, OU's head coach. Stay where you're at, Lincoln. Seriously. It's like, oh, but it's college. Don't care. Stay where you're at. You have a really good situation there. And in Dallas, you have a really bad situation. So stay where you are. <laughs> because, look, and it's nothing. I actually think Dak Prescott's not a bad quarterback. I think, I think he gets a lot of undue criticism purely because he's the quarterback of the Cowboys. Same thing happened to Tony Romo. You know, it's, just how, it's how life goes when you put the star on your helmet and you play quarterback. You're going to be criticized really, really harshly. And that's okay. I don't think Dak's that bad, but I also don't believe the people that want to tell me that Dak Prescott's like the second coming or something, and that we're all going to see Dak Prescott one day be this amazing quarterback that that is is just all pro all the time, future Hall of Famer. It's not going to happen, guys. He doesn't have it. So more than anything tonight, what I've learned is that, um, well, the Packers, it's not that they're amazing. At, they're good. But I think more, moreover, we're learning that the Cowboys just aren't. Sticking with the NFL to start things off because uh, we talk a lot of Chiefs on this podcast. What we do, I'm from Kansas City. Did uh, did sports talk radio there for uh, a few years. Like did a night show there. Then I left for a while. Then I came back. Did a morning show. Then I left and came to Los Angeles where I live now. And the Chiefs lost again. Like, here's the thing. You don't panic, but at the same time, the offensive line is so bad, it makes you wonder if they're going to be able to beat anybody who's any good. I mean, I see people upset about Patrick Mahomes because, what, he made a couple of bad plays here and there. Oh, well, he's running for his life all the time. It is really hard to watch. And he doesn't complain about it. You know, he doesn't he doesn't place blame. You don't see him throw his arms up and yell at the other offensive line. He doesn't Jay Cutler it. Remember Jay Cutler? Oh my God, Jay Cutler was great every time. Like he was the dude who would like scream at the top of his line. We didn't do left tackle. <laughs> to be fair, in Chicago, a lot of times Jay didn't do the left tackle. But Patrick Mahomes isn't doing that. He's not yelling about his offensive line. He's not complaining to the media. He's not complaining on the field. He's just getting up and getting ready for the next play. And I think even during the broadcast of the game on Sunday, they were talking about how he doesn't complain. Like, his Patrick Mahomes is just playing the best that he can with the offensive line that he's given. That's the world he's living in. And when you have a defense that's just bad, it makes you wonder why... why why with all this talent on the team 
in the in Kansas City. And with Andy Reid as your head coach, how and a new defensive coordinator, by the way, how can you be so bad? How can, you know, like how can you be so bad at all these areas when you have so many gifts given to you? I mean, there was a time in Kansas City not that long ago where Alex Smith was the quarterback and the defense was relied upon to win games all the time. Back when Eric Berry was getting pick sixes to win the game. That was just a few years ago, man. And now they look like an absolute disaster on defense. And the, uh, I keep coming back to the offensive line because the most valuable commodity in Kansas City, other than barbecue, okay, arguably other than barbecue, is Patrick Mahomes. He's the most valuable commodity in the whole city. So when you don't have anything to protect your commodity and your offensive line consists of dudes that you just found hanging out at Denny's last week, you're putting yourself in a really shitty situation. <laughs> it's a frustrating thing because it felt like, you know, Chiefs Texans looked like Chiefs had that thing in the bag, but they didn't. And it was it was a frustration to watch. It was a hard game. It was a, a, a rough game to, uh, to, to kind of try to, I guess digest because you felt like the Chiefs were going to have a chance to win it at the end and then they didn't and then it's like oh maybe they're going to stop and then they couldn't it was a it was a problem the whole thing the whole thing was a problem and as hard as these things are to move on from it is a week-to-week thing and I think what we learn is that there is no amazing special team outside of New England God hate it hate all of it this happened last Thursday I'm still pissed about it Giants had opportunities. Just saying. The Giants had opportunities. But outside of New England, there's really not a team that you can point to and say, oh, that's a dominant football team. Every team has their weeks, right? Every team, like last week, the Packers looked like a dominant football team. So not against the Lions, they don't look terrible. They don't look like an atrocious football team, but they don't look like they did last week. So that's that's just the NFL. And it's almost like every year we forget. Every year, like the calendar turns over and we completely forget that the NFL is this week to week league where there's never really going to be a team that reigns atop everybody all by themselves, except the New England Patriots. I hate it. I really do because I know they're in a bad division. I know there are a hundred things I can say to discredit New England, but I watch them play and I'm just like, how do you beat them? If you're any other team in the NFL, who's going to beat these guys? I'm sure they'll lose one. I don't think they're going to go 16-0. But every time I watch the Patriots play, I think, all right, it's January in Foxborough. Who beats this team? You're going to need to get lucky. I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're if you're the Chiefs. I don't care if you're in the Super Bowl and you're the Saints. Uh, I, doesn't matter. You're going to need to get lucky to a certain extent to beat the Patriots because they are clearly the best-built team in the NFL. And it's been that way for so long that we're all just sick of it, but you have to acknowledge it because it's sitting there. It's the elephant in the room. We try to crown these teams. We thought, oh, the Chiefs look great through four games. Maybe they're going to do something amazing. Oh, the Cowboys, they look good against bad teams. But still, because they're the Cowboys, people wanted to crown them. And in the end, I think we're starting to find out that no matter what you want, no matter what you think, New England stands alone. You just hope that somebody come January is going to step up and knock them off their pedestal because I am tired of seeing Tom Brady at the podium at the fucking Super Bowl, man. I'm tired of it. <laughs> it's super frustrating. And I think America's tired of it, honestly. I don't know what the ratings look like for, you know, what when the Patriots are on or not on or anything like that. But I think the sports fans of America, the hardcore sports fans like myself, are tired of it. I want to see something different. I just don't know who's going to be that white knight. 
You know, who's going to be the one to step in and, and, and take over, knock off the Patriots? Look at across the NFL right now. Nobody. Nobody's going to take them out. We're just going to be sitting here years down the line going, wow, remember those Patriots teams? And there's going to be a whole contingency of Boston fans going, yeah, we do with all their banners and parades and all that crap. And there's going to be the rest of us sitting there drowning our sorrows in a bottle of beer going, yeah, yeah, I remember. Here's some more NFL stuff coming up, but I want to ju- touch on Nebraska as I did spend a couple, uh, a few years in Lincoln, Nebraska on 93.7 The Ticket, and they just had a what was supposed to be a big game against Minnesota. Minnesota was undefeated coming in, and they they took Nebraska to the woodshed, man. It was tough. It was a tough watch. I mean, it was a shutout until the fourth quarter, and it was a blowout in the end, and, and it's the Golden Gophers, so like their namesake, not a lot. I'll say this. Nebraska football, it's 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 not good. I want to I want to preach patience as much as possible here because I think it is important, but it's not good. When Minnesota crushes you, and I don't want to take anything away from Minnesota because PJ Flux done amazing work there. That is a very good football team. You know, it's not it's not destroying Nebraska the way they did good, but it's a good football team, and then they're probably going to be ranked really high and have a really good end of the season, probably go to a great bowl game. There's a lot of good things going on for Minnesota. Let's put that part to bed. But when you watch Nebraska football, offensive line and defensive line get just pushed around and bullied like some kid that came to school with a snack pack, and the bully saw him, and he was like, I'm taking it from you, and he can't do anything about it because he's just too small. When you see that happen... It just it, it, it punches her right in the chest, man, because you know what Nebraska's supposed to be. Smash mouth football. That's what they're built on. The power eye. Power option, man. That was that was everything. Scott Frost was there for that. You know what I mean? Like, and then he comes back and you think, okay, here we go. But the fact is it's gonna take him time to rebuild a, an interior that was just demolished. You can't coach guys to not get bullied. You know, you can you can you can do the best you can to prepare them, but you can't coach guys to be bigger, stronger, and want it more than their opponent. Because there's a definite question of effort. And, and it's it's hard when it comes to college football because you're talking about, you know, amateur athletes, they're not getting paid, you know, at least hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars. So you're not it, 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 there's a different grading scale. And you don't want to be necessarily super critical of the players. But I'm I'm watching that Nebraska Minnesota game and I'm sitting there going, Does anyone want to be here? I'm serious. Does anybody anybody want to be here? On the front lines especially. There are other things going on and all that, but I, I want to stay focused on one thing. If you're Nebraska football, and this I, I don't care if you follow Nebraska football since the 90s, or, 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 or I mean, if you have decided to never follow Nebraska football since the 90s, or if you've been a diehard fan going to every single game, Nebraska football at its core should never get dominated and punked up front the way that they did. That was really tough to watch, and I, I, it really was. Like, if you're just a football fan, that was tough to watch because you expect more out of Nebraska. And there were so many people that thought this team was going to be great. And and you know what? Still really good. It could be good, you know, but they're not they're not what we thought they were going to be before the before the season. And I guess even saying they're really good as it came out of my mouth, I'm like, 
I mean, you beat Northwestern by three. You beat Illinois by, what, four? It's just, I understand why Nebraska fans are having the trouble that they have, that they are. I, I really do, because I, I've seen a lot of the, the social media stuff. I, I pay attention to a lot of stuff. I don't engage as much and, and don't tweet as much as I used to, but I still look at it. I still want to see, like, pulse of the fan base type stuff. And I'll tell you this, Nebraska fans are really hurting after that one and I understand it because their your your hopes were built up so much higher than they should have been and then this product is put out on the field and and I got to tell you Scott Frost has to be so pissed off at Mike Riley and, and I know that you don't want to blame the guy who used to be there but Riley would I, I was covering Nebraska when Mike Riley first got there he would recruit all these wide receivers and like these these flashy guys and neglect the line and then I mean, it, it, he would he would roll them out there and not understand why in the Big Ten you can't go out there with a subpar offensive line expected to work. That's why you don't hire a mediocre Pac-12 coach and bring him in and expect him to be able to be successful in the Big Ten because he doesn't understand it. He came in and treated like Pac-12. Went and got wide receivers. Cool. Wide receivers don't matter when it's cold in Minnesota. You know what I mean? Like it's cold in Nebraska. Like your wide receivers are fine, but you have to understand what conference you're in. It is not a wide receiver heavy conference. Good wideouts can come from there, right? Good wideouts come from can come from the Big Ten. Ohio State and Penn State have put out a bunch of them. Michigan, some of them, less but some. Remember David Terrell? <laughs> I thought he was going to be the truth, man. When he went to Chicago, oh, when he played with the Bears. <laughs> But, but for real, the Big Ten, they might put out a few wide receivers in the NFL, but they're not known as a wide receiver, pass-heavy, any kind of air assault conference. So when you recruit to that conference, you can't do it the way Mike Riley did. So it's, it's going to take time. At least it, it, you take solace in this. Scott Frost knows what it's supposed to look like, right? He's not, he's not sitting there. A lot of times with Mike Riley, I'm like, I'm not sure if he knows what this team is supposed to look like. You know, it's starting to look like Oregon State. Like, I, I don't know if he knows what this team's supposed to look like. Scott Frost does. He knows what it's supposed to look like. He was there for a national championship when it looked exactly like it's supposed to look. So we have to expect him to, at some point, be able to bring that kind of to full fruition. It's going to take more recruiting of offensive line and defensive line. It's going to take more up front because getting dominated the, dominated the way they did against Minnesota was really disheartening. So, I mean, think about that national title team with, with Scott Frost. Their offensive linemen look like pro wrestlers from the 80s. Just monsters. Get some of those. <laughs> you know? Get some of those guys. <laughs> like So, Nebraska fans, in, in closing on this, before we move on to, to more NFL stuff, in closing on this, it's not panic time necessarily, um, but it is whiskey time. It is. It's, it, it is whiskey time. It's, it's time to pull out the old Jack Daniels and go, you know what? It's going to be a, probably a little bit of a long one. Win six games, Scott. That's, I don't think he has any possible chance of losing his job, nor should he. But just for the betterment of everybody. Make everyone feel good. The fan base just woosaw a little bit. Win six games. All right, moving on to the other stuff from uh, other stuff from the NFL. I want to reach back actually to something that happened with Richard Sherman and Baker Mayfield from 
last week when uh, Baker Mayfield, who's having a rough, rough go of it. But Monday Night Football between the Niners and the Browns last week, which uh, this didn't this didn't come out until right after the podcast, obviously. But it was the handshake gate, which dominated sports news for days and, of course, was total bullshit, which is so funny to me. Richard Sherman, look, I get it. Sometimes you feel irrelevant. You're like, I miss when people used to care about what I had to say. I get it. <laughs> I do. And that's what Richard Sherman was doing. He was like, I just missed the days when people cared about what I have to say. And so Richard then made up this thing where Baker Mayfield didn't shake his hand or didn't like half shook his hand or something. Thankfully, there was actually a camera there to see Baker Mayfield shaking Richard Sherman's hand. Totally normal. Not weird at all. No idea where the hell Richard Sherman's head was at there. But they show this and then... I loved the quote from Baker Mayfield. I saw the video where uh, <laughs> they asked him, like, well, what, they asked him about the whole situation. He goes, I think it's the first time that the, the camera being on actually worked in my favor. It's a good line. It's a good line. It's solid. That said, since we're already bringing up Baker, it, it's, it was bad, Cleveland. The Browns, man, it... I keep thinking they're gonna like. I keep thinking the Browns are gonna rebound, right? They have too much talent. They have so much firepower. It's like eventually they're gonna rebound and be a good team. Maybe not the best team in the NFL. Maybe not the the dominant team of the AFC North, but at least a solid football team. And then Baker goes out there yesterday, throws three picks. What the hell? And they lost. It was a close game too, despite the three picks. Baker, what are you doing? I mean, it's just. It's one of those things where I watch Cleveland play and I think none of this makes sense <laughs> because they should be so much better than they are and and yet they're faltering. And they they don't they aren't showing signs of improvement. If anything, they're showing signs of of not knowing what the hell's going on. So that's got to be a worry for you. And then the Johnny Manziel Baker Mayfield memes, guys. Oh. Where everybody thinks like, oh, this is weird. like everybody has the Baker Mayfield is like, oh, wait, no, he's just Johnny Manziel. In fact, when I was writing down some notes for the podcast, I kept writing Johnny Manziel instead of Baker Mayfield. It's so uncool. It's uncool of me because I'm seeing the same thing everybody else is seeing. It's like, wow, a lot of hype. It's only a few games, Baker, but it's. I'd say get him more weapons, but he has the weapons. The Browns fans, I, I know you've been waiting for a long time. I know, and I feel bad for Browns fans because they have been waiting for a long time for a winner to be there. They've been waiting a long time for, for anybody to care about them. And now they have everybody you have in their eyes right on the Cleveland Browns. This is going to be the this is going to be the team. This is going to be their year. And then they just self-destruct, man. That's got to be rough. I, 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 my, my heart goes out to you, Cleveland Brown fans. It really does. I mean, for the last fucking forever it does but especially now all right on to uh antonio brown still wants to come back and and play for the patriots yeah okay uh, he's like yeah they might as well they have to pay me anyway which i don't know that they do i saw the tweet from antonio brown i was like i don't i don't know all the details of antonio brown's contract with the patriots but he said they got to pay me that might as well let me go uh earn it i'm not entirely sure the patriots have to pay antonio brown more than what the game that he played. I don't know that. I, I don't think that's the case. But either way, 
Antonio Brown wanting to come back and play for the Patriots, I mean, it's just not going to happen, man. It's not. It's like it's like Jared Leto being brought back for a, for the sequel to Joker. Ain't happening. Uh-uh. No matter how bad you want it to happen, and you can kick and scream until you until you, until you think it should happen, but it won't happen. Antonio Brown's season is, I think, done. And I think anyone who sees what he's been up to, it's like, yeah, I, I, would you hire him? I mean, really, would you hire a guy that's consistently on social media talking about what everybody else needs to be doing and then he needs to be on this team? And that's, it's like, I think people were over this saga weeks ago, yet here we sit still talking about freaking Antonio Brown, man. There's not a more delusional, tone-deaf person in sports right now than Antonio Brown. And that is saying something because there are a lot of tone-deaf people in sports. We'll get to the NFL, or excuse me, the NBA in China and whatever the hell is going on there. I don't know. It's so awkward. It's so awkward. We'll get to it. One more NFL thing, though. Uh, Rihanna said no to the Super Bowl to stand with Colin Kaepernick. She was asked, I guess, to, to perform at the Super Bowl halftime show, and she said, no, I, I just feel like I'd be a sellout. <sighs> if she had real, real stones, she would show up Take a knee for 30 minutes. Don't play any songs. That's how you do it. You want to really take a stand. You know what I'm telling you. Would you maybe never get hired for anything again? It's fine, but hey, if you don't want to sell out, don't sell out. You know what I mean? Go go have fun with it. It just seems like, it, it, here's what it found, found, uh, sounds like to me. It seems like somebody who didn't want to do the halftime show trying to gain some publicity out of not doing the halftime show. You know what I mean? Like, oh, I, I, don't, I don't want to do it. And a lot of people don't want to do the Super Bowl halftime show, by the way. You don't get paid. I think it's uh, – yeah, I think you have to do it for free. It's for the um, – it's for the promotion, right? I, I believe that's the case. You just get it – it's for promotion. So you don't get paid doing the Super Bowl halftime show. You just get to show up and do it. I believe that the production everything, that's covered by you know the, the Super Bowl people, the NFL, whatever. But as far as the performance itself, you don't cut a check from that. So there's a lot of people that just don't want to do it. It's a hassle. It's very high production. And as the Black Eyed Peas told us, showed us, uh, I think in 2010, something like that, it can go very poorly. If you have, because if you have a great Super Bowl halftime show, people will remember it for probably a few months. If you have a bad, and I mean just a bad Super Bowl halftime show, people will remember it forever. Black Eyed Peas have not lived that down. Not in my mind. In my head, that's the one that stands alone on top. It's the worst thing I've ever seen. It was actually, in my mind, one of Twitter's best moments. It's like where we really found out what Twitter was going to be was just lambasting these people up there on stage, trying to make a performance happen. We're just crushing the Black Eyed Peas, almost as like a community. <laughs> because there wasn't one person saying, you know, I think it's kind of good. <laughs> it was everyone universally hating it. It was one of the best Twitter moments of all time. It was pretty early on Twitter, too. Like early in the the Twitter existence, you know, I, I will say it, when Beyonce did the Super Bowl halftime show, she did the Black Power thing. She pissed people off. She made a statement. Like her or not, Beyonce's a bad bitch, man. That's that's exactly how you play this thing. You go out there, do what you want to do, make the statement that you want to make in front of audiences that would never watch you otherwise. That'd be the goal, right? I mean, if you really wanted to make a statement, I'd say do it and make the statement during the performance because you do have that. You have that entire thing there, that, that, that contingency of people who are like, oh, yeah, no, I'm just I'm just watching the Super Bowl halftime show to watch the Super Bowl halftime show. And then they end up seeing you and you can do anything you want. 
mean, within, I guess, somewhat reason. I don't know. Justin Timberlake, Janet Jackson. Sometimes not totally in re- within reason. You can get away with stuff, man. I don't know. I, I, I liked... I liked what Beyonce did purely because I was like, that's ballsy. That takes massive stones. And she brought it to the table. That's exactly what she did. And it was awesome to see. It was a lot of fun to watch. Even if you didn't like it, didn't agree with it, whatever, took balls. That's a fact. By the way, didn't Colin Kaepernick sell out? He took money from the NFL to never speak on the issue again. Yeah. It's just, a, it's just it's just an observation. Don't care enough to go into that. Really don't. But it is it is a factual statement. Guy did take money to skedaddle a little bit. Right, one more thing to get to here on Drop the Mic. Uh, the podcast here. See, uh, okay, China. Yeah, China has the protests and everything else going on. I haven't read a lot into it. Um, I just I just haven't. And apparently neither has anybody in the NBA <laughs> because no one's willing to say a word. Like Steve Kerr, out of it. Greg Popovich, he's done. LeBron James is talking about Daryl Morey and how he needs to be he's, – he's uneducated on the issues. And it's like, guys, no offense to the NBA players. You're allowed to have your opinions. I just don't know that NBA players and managers and coaches are the ones that we need to go talk to about foreign relations. I don't know that I'm a bad person for thinking that. I don't know that I'm a bad person for thinking like, oh, maybe maybe that these people shouldn't be asked the question. I know that the NBA is making a lot of money from China, and that's why it's a uh, that's why it's a hot button topic, and that's why it's up for discussion. I totally understand that. Yet to me, when I see the reaction, because I saw Trump's reaction to Popovich and Kerr, and they sidestepped the China questions, and Trump's I think Trump called it uh, sad. Right, he was like, <laughs> "I'm sorry." The way I said that was not at all the way Trump said. Trump called it sad, because that's what he says about everything, right? It's sad. It's very sad. So that <laughs> it's not a Trump impression necessarily, because I suck in impressions and don't do them. But it's my uh, it's my uh, thought process of yeah. When he says something sad, it's not the way that most people mean it. I think he just means it's sad as in terrible. But when he called it sad. I thought, well, you know, I'll say this about China and, and more specifically the NBA's reactions in Hong, to protests in Hong Kong. This is another example to me of how good and evil don't exist. Sometimes we create a good and an evil, right? I think I think the Patriots have done a great job of becoming the evil, but we create a good and the evil. You know, whether you're a Democrat or Republican, you decide the other side's evil, right? My side's the right side, your side's the wrong side, and one's good and one's evil. But really, there's neither. There's just money, and everyone's protecting theirs. That's what this is about, right? I mean, politics, sports, all of it. Like, you really think the NFL would give a shit about player safety if it had no money in stake, uh, at stake? Like, let's say the NFL could never get sued, nothing bad could ever happen. You, re- you really think they'd sink millions of dollars into player safety? God, at this point, potentially close to a billion dollars, if not more than that, into player safety alone, researching things, making sure they know everything, get the best equipment, try to enhance equipment, try to change the rules. You really think they'd spend as much money, as much time doing that if there was no money at stake for them? They just do it out of kindness of their own hearts? All right, restarting from here because I knocked the cord out of the microphone. We'll go and edit that a little bit. We almost got through a whole episode without a technical difficulty, and now the microphone's falling. I'm crushing this. You hear me? Crushing this. Like, 
What's up? <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh, we almost got through a full 30 minutes without technical difficulty. Last week it made it like 20. It's episode two, we make it like 28. Eh, these are the things that happen when you decide to do a podcast that uh, you just like grab a microphone, a laptop, and, and, and your, your phone and use it as a camera. And you're like, all right, let's do this. We got it. Like I said, I'm doing this for fun. I enjoy doing it. And I'm so glad you guys check it out and listen and, uh, and, and, and have fun with me. You know what I mean? It's like, it's like one of those things where I enjoy talking about sports a lot. I enjoy just diving into these different storylines and just you know, being able to just talk and, 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 and connect with it. You know, I like talking Chiefs. I like talking Huskers. I like talking NFL. Um, I know that the Major League Baseball playoffs are happening right now. Oh, yeah, honestly, I've watched it, but I, I'm surprised at the Nationals, honestly. I'll just say that. I'm surprised at the Nationals. Because I'm just like, I don't know how many people are coming to me for baseball hot takes. You know what I'm saying? I, I just don't know. But, you know, I think the Nationals are about to take a, a dominant lead over the Cardinals, and they beat the Dodgers in the first series. Like, it's just, it's surprising to me that the, the Nationals are as good as they've been in the postseason. It's actually pretty incredible, and hats goes off to them. That's literally all I got. Because, again, I don't think people necessarily come to me for baseball takes. You know what I mean? Like hardcore baseball talk. I think there's a lot of other places to go for that. I think here we talk about the hard-hitting facts like uh, Rihanna and the Super Bowl and what Antonio Brown is tweeting about. And one step away from being an entertainment host. <laughs> here we have Brody Jenner walking outside of uh, Starbucks. Those are great, by the way. Those entertainment tonight like kind of things, you know what I mean? Where people like follow celebrities around. It's like, this is celebrity news. Oh, I love the voices. I love the voices in celebrity news because it makes everything sound really interesting, even though it's not. Because all they're doing is stuff that really doesn't matter to anybody but them. But we're acting like it's the best thing that's ever happened. <laughs> oh, what a way to end it. What a last two minutes to just to just reach that ball out over the plane to the finish line. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening, man. We'll be back next week. I'm Mike Welch. This has been Drop the Mic.